It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself in a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 140. Um, my apologies that this is a day late. There are lots of reasons for that. And my apologies also for the sound. And there are lots of reasons for that. The main one being that I'm sitting recording this in a motel in Warwick, a, about 200 kilometers, I think. Uh, west of Brisbane, where I'm speaking at the Darling Downs Convention. Now, I would have recorded this before with my microphone and so on back in Sydney, but um, I've been suffering with man flu, which is a very serious condition, of course. My voice has, has been pretty rough. So um, this has basically just been recorded with the MacBook's mic, and we are going to look at some issues. Uh, in case you're, this is the first time you're listening to this, uh, Quantum looks at news and views from a Christian perspective. We're coming up to Easter. And so I thought we might begin with a little bit of good news. Uh, these guys were celebrating. That is the crew of one of the tugboats that have rescued the Ever Given which was this massive container ship which got stuck in the Suez Canal and has cost world trade billions, apparently. But they've managed to get it out and all things have been restored. I just, I, I just liked hearing their joy. Not such good news from Myanmar where hundreds of, of protesters have now been killed and that's a pretty serious issue. And also from Taiwan, there's not such good news. Uh, just at the time of recording, 48 people have been killed and dozens more injured after a train carrying nearly 500 crashed and then derailed in a tunnel in Taiwan. It's just an awful tragedy. And these kind of tragedies in different ways occurring all over the world. And we pray for those who suffer because of them. Okay, um, here's an old song. Yeah, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. Ray Charles. Well... Scotland has named the most popular baby names for 2020, for last year. And guess what? Of course, the most popular name was Jack, which is a shame that it wasn't Murdo or Lewis or whatever. Noah is now the second most popular boy's name. And I doubt this is because of a resurgence in uh, biblical knowledge. And James stays in third place. Isla overtakes Olivia as the top name for baby girls. The biggest Increases in the top 100 boys' names were Roman, I can hardly believe that, and Finley, and I can believe that. I have a grandson called Finley. But Jack, nah, hit the road. We need to get David back to the top. Now, I want you to consider 
a rather just strange juxtaposition of stories. Nike are suing a New York-based company that produced so-called Satan shoes, supposedly containing a drop of human blood, as part of collaboration with the singer Lil Nas X. I, I was going to play some of the music from this, and I just thought, no, I can't be bothered. The video itself is grotesque. It is blasphemous. It is horrendous. It is, even as a joke, using evil to promote selling shoes, trainers, at 500 quid each. You wonder at the mockery that continues in our society. Now... I want to juxtaposition that with Batley Grammar School in West Yorkshire, where pupils were shown images of the Prophet Muhammad taken from the French magazine Charlie Hebdo. This resulted in protests from parents, some Muslim parents. Uh, incidentally, uh, in the same area, people were making protests about coronavirus lockdown and they got arrested. But these parents did not get arrested, or protesters did not get arrested. I don't know if they were all parents. And the teacher has ended up being suspended. He's ended up going into hiding as when he was outed. His name was outed. Remember that there was a French teacher who was killed. Tracy Brabin, the Labour MP for Batley, says she's glad the school has recognised the offence and upset. In other words, she's basically glad the teacher has been sacked. Well done, she says, for repenting. Now, what's wrong with this? Personally, I wouldn't have shown a cartoon, that cartoon, to pupils. I just, I mean, I wouldn't have. I, didn't, I don't think it was wise. But here's the point. Britain is not an Islamic country. We do not live under Sharia law. It might be a punishable offence in Islamic nations to make or display an image of Muhammad, but it's not that here. So what's happening here? We're allowing mob rule. Why is the teacher being suspended? And why is he in fear of his life? And you can pretty well guarantee no other teacher is going to do this. This controversy is really disturbing in so many ways. Let's do briefly China again, because we've just got to keep an eye on all of this. Um, China is targeting more Western clothes retailers. This is how China works. So the likes of H&M and even Nike have, and Converse and others, have been questioning China's use of weaker slave labor, in effect. And China's heading back at them, letting Western corporations know this is what it's going to cost you. They've brand, um, banned, a kind of banned, some of these in China. H&M's physical stores in China remain open, but you can't hail a taxi to the shop using an app and you can't shop online. Meanwhile, in pressure in another way, and th this sounds bizarre, so hang with this. Beijing has this kind of secretive maritime militia, militia fishing boats. And they, they send these huge fleets into places. So, a South China Sea reef near the Philippines, or part of Philippines territory, 
as a Philippine, a Philippine Senator Risa Honteveros said China is gaslighting us. And what they've done is some 220 fishing boats, they're not fishing boats, they don't fish, were counted inside Whitson Reef on March the 7th, with 183 still being there on March the 19th. They're parked very near this strategically positioned reef. They paraded in neat rows. They've been stationary for weeks. The weather has been great. They've not been doing any fishing. And there is concern that China is going to seek to claim this reef yet again. They build these artificial islands and then claim the territory around them. Watch that one. Okay, let's do the mad world stuff. This this one. This is in Victoria, Victoria in Australia. In a Victorian school... Young men, as young as 12, have been asked after being taught about sexual harassment to stand up in class and to apologise for being male. Uh, they had to stand up and apologise on behalf of their gender to, the, to all the girls in the school. And a mother was speaking about this and she said that her son now has this misconception that everybody looks at him and males as predators or somebody wishing to do harm to someone in a sexualized manner. For a 12-year-old. Yeah, this this is not going to end well. And nor is this. The Church of England may institute a quota on black and minority ethnic clergy within its ranks, as well as institute anti-racism training, as well as get rid of some statues, that, or even buildings that are associated in some way with racism. Now, I think there's an enormous problem here in lots of ways. First of all, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. So I don't. we're going to be left with nothing except statues of Jesus. And what about quotas? What's wrong with quotas? I don't think clergy should be chosen according to their skin color. I think you choose the people who are most appropriate for the job. And those, mind you, the way the Church of England is run, I don't know those who have the biblical gifts to teach God's word. And none of that is down to skin color. Okay, let's just relax with a bit of joyful music, celebrating the oneness as human beings. Beethoven's Ode to Joy, or Schiller's poem, put in Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, the irony here is that this is all men are brothers. It's great, isn't it? It's a great, great truth. But the Daily Telegraph was reporting that at Oxford University, professors who teach the classical repertoire, which spans works by Mozart and Beethoven, it focuses too much on music from white Europeans from the slave period. And they've been asked to get rid of staff notation 
for the same thing. Um, the vast bulk of tutors are white men. And doubtless, the vast bulk of people who wrote their support are white men as well. Um, they want hip-hop and jazz to be on the curriculum at Oxford, providing non-Eurocentric topics of study. Oh, dear me. And then, here's an, <laughs> the Church of England again. An online course on, well, I don't think it's just the Church of England, on critical white theology. Whiteness is a claim to power, it's a claim to rightness. There is no such thing as being white and being a Christian. White English Christianity must com commit to a radical and ruthless critique of its whiteness. Do you know what the thing that strikes me about this? There's going to be a special issue in Practical Theology in 2021 in the Oxford Centre for Religion and Culture. But what strikes me about all this is how racist it is. And then Winchester University is spending, I think it's £20,000 on a statue to Greta Thunberg. Nothing more to be said. Church of England's tearing down statues, but we're going to put up statues to Greta Thunberg. All right, here is a very sad story. Just listen to a bit of this. The report says clearly that um, the, our fears, our worst fears really have been uh, um, confirmed that Jonathan Fletcher uh, was an abuser uh, for a very long time. Uh, he was an abuser in a, in a religious context, but also in a domestic setting. And that abuse was physical, psychological, and sexual in its nature and all under a, a spiritual veneer, so using God's name and God's word in order to get what he wants, which people are calling spiritual abuse these days. And as you became not, not only uh, a member of staff, you, you were also going to be uh, Jonathan's lodger. I mean, how, how did that relationship sort of begin and, and what, what was the dynamic to begin with? Right, so on first approach, even before you got in the house, um, there was a sort of uh, meet and greet uh, by the garden gate and uh, terms and conditions uh, laid out. Uh, and literally the first thing that was said uh, to me, I think quite often to others as well, is that loyalty uh, was everything. But we weren't talking about loyalty to the Lord Jesus, we were talking about loyalty to Jonathan in the personal sense. And that's probably the, the time that um, if I knew what I knew now, uh, rather than being a younger person, that I would have uh, had some serious alarm bells that was mentioned, uh, first of all. Mm. Great charm, uh, great charisma. So um, the first thing was loyalty. The second thing was laugh at my jokes. Uh, and then it was said, that's really loyalty as well. And we'd chuckle together and, um, and so on and so forth. So you had this sort of strong loyalty commitment and coming from someone who was such a sort of respected Bible teacher, uh, statesman within the community, that it was embedded in your brain that whatever happened and whatever you know went on, the loyalty to him was identified with your spiritual health and your growth and your um, future ministry. And that becomes very hard to undo. Now, I didn't really want to say anything about this. This is the story of Jonathan Fletcher, the former rector of Emmanuel Wimbledon, a, a leading figure in evangelical Anglicanism. He has not been charged with any crime, but there has been a report, and it's a pretty damning report, 150 pages. I'm sorry, I could not be bothered to read the whole thing, but I've read summaries and various other things, and it's very clear that Jonathan Fletcher has been found guilty of bullying and 
abuse, really. Now, I do recommend listening to Grand Shiver's discussion with one of the victims. And I, I do, people have said, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know, this. sometimes I try not to think about it. I think it's desperately depressing. I think there are lots of thoughts that I would have, a lot of them probably not all that profitable. I am concerned about the the hypocrisy, the, the, what Mr. Fletcher has done. I'm concerned also in some of the reaction, not from the victims, but from those who almost have a schadenfreude and the politics and everything that's involved. And I'm concerned at some who are within that circle who seem to be justifying or excusing it. There is no excuse for that kind of abuse. Mind you, the abuse we've discovered about Michel Foucault, the kind of one of the leading lights of today's woke ideology, his, his abuse is many times worse. Guy Sormont, who is a Parisian intellectual, has claimed that Foucault died in 1984, was a paedophile rapist who had sex with Arab children while living in Tunisia in the late 1960s. He said children as young as 8, 9 or 10 were running after Foucault saying, what about me? Take me, take me. He was throwing money at them and he was meeting them in the local cemetery to abuse them. I just wonder if Oxford are going to continue to teach him. I, I wonder. All right, um, that, you know, that's enough of that. Here's something a little bit more cheerful. You will, of course, recognise this music. Chariots of Fire, 40th anniversary. Still a film that has the capacity, and I do watch it occasionally still, to move me to tears every time. It says in the old book, he that honours me, I will honour. Good luck, Jackson Schultz. I believe God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. But again, a fascinating article in The Spectator, where it was wondering not only would could Chariots of Fire be made today, which I doubt, but whether it's got something to say to our generation. So it comments on Harold Abrahams, you know, very disappointed, very angry, and very full of angst. And his girlfriend, Sybil, says to him, I was proud of you. She says, don't make me ashamed. And I love this quote. 40 years later, one wonders whether Sybil's robust injunction to pick up one's cleats and jog on, subtle bigotry be damned, would be appreciated in today's milieu. Because, of course, Abrahams was talking about the anti-Semitic bigotry he faced. In the face of microaggressions, actual or imagined, the next generation is counselled to remain perpetually in young Harold's jejun state of angst. 
They are no longer told that the surest way to beat the man is not to make beating the man the end of all their endeavours, but to make the well-earned success, the well-lived life, an end in itself. That's true victory. That's what Little had. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Let me bring you up to date a little bit with the, the Premier debacle, just again for perhaps those of you who knew, I wrote an article for Premier at the request, uh, at their request on Harry and Meghan and after agreeing, after publishing it and saying they were happy with it, within 24 hours because of a backlash, the editor removed it, apologised, it hurt people and so on, and basically apologised on my behalf and for me for publishing a racist article because I used the phrase play the race card, which Meghan Markle did, and which is not racist to say so. So I wrote to Premier, and I wrote to the chairman, and I said, look, you've trashed me, you've, forever I will be known as somebody who's had an article that's pulled, because it was racist. I said, you need to apologise, you need to think about what you're doing, and he refused. In fact, he wrote back and he said this, when the article was removed, care was taken with the wording not to mention you at all. Only those who had seen the original article would have known who wrote it. You've used your own blog to draw attention to the matter as you're entitled to do so. We have not damaged your reputation in any way. From a Christian magazine or a Christian director of a company, that is disingenuous and dishonest at best. There is no question when a tweet was put out with my name on, on it, it was tagged, apologising for the article and I was the author of the article. Of course, of course it does a great deal of damage. It's ironic that at the same time I got that email from Peter Kerridge, the director, I also got an email from him asking for money. No. I have a message for Mr. Kerridge and for others. It comes from Tom Petty. And finally, come on to Easter. Let's just, I'm going to do a couple of things with Easter. There is a superb cover on The Spectator this Easter. And an excellent, interesting, fascinating lead article from James Mumford. I'm just going to quote part of it. A church which parades as spiritual but not religious ignores the offer of transformation. The problem with the consumerist mentality is that it sticks with the desires you've got. Rowan Williams tells me. So the danger is you miss the possibility of being changed by what you find. The church can go along with the market mentality and make people feel it's meeting their needs, or it can say, something utterly extraordinary has taken hold of us. Come and see. Ultimately, transformation is what Easter is about. A man bodily raised from the dead and returning in his new body, neither corpse nor ghost, to have breakfast with his friends. This life after death, as it has been termed, was a completely novel idea, which became the basis of a hope that changed everything. How great to read that 
in a secular magazine. Have a great Easter. I leave you with something that somebody sent me. Thank you so much for sending it to me. Nikki Armstrong, Wiedenhoff, I think. Callahan Armstrong doing a version with Easter words of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. A crown of thorns placed on his head. He knew that he would soon be dead. He said, did you forget me, Father, did you? Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Have a great Easter. God bless you. Enjoy Easter. You want to support this podcast, then you can go to the Podbean fundraiser and do so. But the most important thing, rejoice that Christ is risen and place your hope and faith and trust in him. See you next week. He hung his head and prepared to die. Then lifted his face up to the sky, said, I am coming home now, Father, to you. A reed which held his final sip was gently lifted to his lips. He drank his last and gave his soul to glory.
went by again.